Hello everyone and welcome to Space Spiels. My name is Paige Kaufman and I am an undergraduate astronautical engineering student at the University of Southern California. On this podcast, we will talk about all things aerospace. We will discover how people got where they are in industry and their experience of the culture and community on the way. Enjoy! Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, I am currently coming to you from my bedroom floor with my microphone at 11 p.m. on a Wednesday night. So if that doesn't explain how engineering is treating me, then I don't know what does. This episode is a couple days late this week. I try not to do that. I haven't done that yet, and I plan to not do that in the future, ideally, but stuff happens and I have to prioritize school sometimes. So here we are. I'm excited to get this conversation out to you guys. Today, I interviewed Miguel Maya. Miguel is currently working as a propulsion development engineer at Blue Origin, which is awesome. And he also is a USC graduate. He graduated way before my time and was actually the founder of the Liquid Propulsion Lab, which is the lab I work in today. So I was really excited to reach out to him. He's still really friendly towards lab and supportive. And I was excited to hear the story of LPL's founding, but also more about his career and what he's learned along the way. So this is a great conversation. One term I did kind of want to define before we jump into it is he mentions that they test fired at FAR. FAR stands for Friends of Amateur Rocketry, and it's just a test site out in Mojave Desert. It's one that we still go to and test at. So that was just some context for you guys. And wish me luck for the rest of my big week. And I can't wait to talk with you again next week. We have a very exciting interview for next week as well. So talk to you soon and talk to you now. Bye. It's so nice to finally talk with you. Likewise. Let's get into it. So I have my first official question is, uh, did you always know you wanted to work on rockets and what sparked this interest? So it depends on what you define as always, but I think as far as I can remember, the answer is yes. It's pretty cliche. It's pretty cheesy. I, not cheesy. It's cliche to say I've always wanted to work on rockets. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it all started when I was, uh, I don't know how old I was. I watched Toy Story and I was like, I want to be an astronaut. And, <laughs> From Buzz Lightyear? Yes. I love it. So I, I don't know how old I was. I was five, six, five mm-hmm. or six. One of those two. Um, and ever since then, like the desire to work with space things just grew. There was a point in my life where I was like, I'm going to be a musician. You know, I'm like, like just going to play guitar and like be in a band and go to music school. But then I was like, no, I like I like rockets. So that came back again in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess pretty much ever since I was a little kid. Gotcha. You've talked with Armin, our current lead, who did the, he did guitar for a while and then went to Rockets. So it's interesting you say that. That's kind of a, yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, you'll have to, I'll connect you. I'll send you his episode too. But yeah, he did, he played guitar professionally for a few years, like a good amount of years before going to USC for Astro. So that is pretty sick. Yeah, interesting that that, you both share that that's so funny well you're a musician yourself so um, Mm -hmm. I think 
to be to be an engineer i i mean it's not the, it's not like you planted when you're a little kid right but part of being an engineer is being able to be creative um personally i don't think i'm very creative it's mm. it's a little difficult for me to like to think outside the box most of the time but that's that's a big plus like having creativity or or channeling your creativity when you're an engineer um keep keep yeah. playing music keep keep uh, exercising other parts of your brain. Yes, absolutely. Very important. Helps you think more clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you went to Cal Poly Pomona, right? So what was your experience like there? You said you studied aerospace. Did they have a rocket team or did you just kind of focus on the aerospace studies? What did you do? So at Cal Poly Pomona, yeah, I studied aerospace engineering and, uh, there was no, there was no rocket uh, rocketry club or anything. Um, or actually, I think there was, but it was so small, like only the juniors and or the seniors knew about it. Yeah. I didn't find out about any of this rocket related stuff until I was a junior. And one of my close friends who got involved since he was a sophomore or something, I was like, hey, let me, uh, let me be in your team next year because... It was like it was a club, but it was primarily to participate in a NASA student launch competition. So oh, okay. uh, I just started helping out junior year. Um, it was just a tiny ass group. Like, excuse me. I, I <laughs> You're fine. You're welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very small group. Uh, and so what did you make? So uh, thank you for asking. So. Yeah, <laughs> we ended up like I ended up working on on a rocket project, uh, for one for that NASA student launch competition. Okay. It was a two two stage rocket, uh, with a carbon fiber body. Um, I was in charge of the aerodynamics. I wanted to do propulsion, but someone took over that, so I was like, "All right, I'll do aero. It's still fluids." Yeah. Doing the aerodynamic sizing of the fins had to calculate the aerodynamic loading, um, et cetera. Like I bought a missile design book. I was like, this should help me. Uh, <laughs> I, only used, like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it did. Maybe it did. We, we like in, at the end of the competition, like you get graded on, on a lot of things, uh, mm-hmm. just like your presentation skills and your report um, and like the performance of your vehicle. Um so uh, we came in third or fourth out of like 31 universities. Oh, but I think, I think we did. Okay. Maybe the book helped me, you know, keep the rock. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Who knows what it was? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's what we ended up doing. It was, a, it was a pretty cool rocket. I think the university still has it somewhere in a closet. Um, but Yeah. And during that year, that's we had we had another student who was interested in, in in working with rockets, and he he wanted to like start getting other students like involved with rocketry. So then on the side, we created a a rocket club called Umbra. But yeah, I mean, my first two years at the university it was just head down, study all day, seven days a week. Yeah. And, do okay in classes uh and yeah rinse and repeat 
<laughs> yes, that sounds like my first two years too. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of it. So you said that you were attracted to the propulsion like aspect of even that rocket in undergrad. So what attracted you to prop specifically? Because you get to, you're like, oh, I like rocketry, but then you realize you like rocketry and there's so many different parts of it that I just like keep discovering new things that you can do. So why do you choose prop? It's an existential question for me. Uh, why do you <laughs> Describe your process. Cause like, I'm kind of going through it. I mean, I kind of know what I, yeah. I want to do, but like navigating that's hard. So one of the things that I'm trying to relearn actually is like to listen to my, to my inner voice, like to my, my, myself, because uh, sometimes you lose it and you, you, you you stop listening to your intuition or to like whatever it is that you're being attracted to for some reason. Um, and other times like you don't, but like, I, I really think it was the fact that, well, I like propulsion in general. Like I, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll settle with turbojet or rocket engines, but because I liked, I mean, I like rocketry and space stuff. Um mm -hmm. I don't know. There was just something. I, I'm sorry. I can't give you like a. a, a no, very that's okay. You just liked it. <laughs> it. It was. It was <laughs> something, yeah, exactly. It was something that I was just attracted to. I was like, this is pretty sick. Like this is badass. Uh, aerodynamics is cool. Uh, I did a little bit of that at some point in my career, but propulsion. It was. I was like, I don't know. Rocket engines are are pretty badass. I I just couldn't get over that. Uh, yeah yeah like, be, yeah so like like now that I'm in industry I'm like this stuff is super complex and I wouldn't have thought about all of the things that I'm that I've seen in, in my career or or that I'm working on um, when I was an undergrad it was more like yeah rocket engines um, fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fire. <laughs> yes um, yeah it was it was that but I think being exposed to different aspects of rocketry also helps because you get to figure out what it is that you like and what you don't like. So I realized I was like, I don't, I don't want to do structural analysis. Like I, I don't like that. And, and, and you do that in whether you're in a propulsion group, there's someone that is doing structural analysis, or if you're in a smaller company, like you're designing struct, doing the structural analysis and all sorts of analysis and testing it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but I was like, yeah, no rocket engines. And then uh, the other thing is like, I like testing things. So then rocket engines and testing, uh, are, are the things that I want to kind of, kind of want to stick with and yeah. that I want to learn as much. And then you get into your, like that role and you're like, Ooh, I like that little shiny object within propulsion. Like I want to learn that. So then you go yeah. down the rabbit hole and mm -hmm. try to get more knowledge and, and, it's 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 a never ending road, I think, of of like if you're just curious about things, it's just a never ending road of of learning and um wanting to uh go explore different different aspects of whatever it is that you're you're passionate about within within your field. Right. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Then you just listen to what attracts you and it'll yeah. it'll take you where you go yeah yes yeah so you said that you established a rocketry club in your undergrad as well but I want to talk about of course LPL what led 
from my first account. I have a first first person account, primary source right here. That's the word I'm looking for. Primary source. Um, What led to its founding? What did that look like? Initially, it was a project that one PhD or two PhD students and one master's student or two PhD students and two master's students wanted to work on. Um, One of those PhD students just ended up getting his master's, but uh, he was pretty much the driving force behind uh, what ended up becoming the liquid propulsion lab. Uh, But, okay, so it's these four guys plus one guy, I I think he he was involved uh, lightly for for a little bit on, on a project that was like the precursor to what ended up becoming the first LPL project. Um, okay. So I I had just finished my internship at SpaceX, and I was like, okay, I love I I love rocket engines. I keep saying this, but like I really like rocket engines. I need more experience because at that point in time, I wanted to go back to SpaceX. I was crazy enough. Well, no, that sounds bad. I, I was still very passionate about the SpaceX mission and 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 yeah. being in one of those teams. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to be, I want to be there. I know what I need to do. Because uh, I looked at the resumes and like the LinkedIn profiles of the people back in 2014 who were ex-USC members or ex-US or, or USC alumni rather um right. and I saw what they had done and I'm like well if they're there then I can go back by doing all this cool stuff too so yeah finished I I was starting my second semester at USC as a grad student and I was walking you know, on that second floor where the AST administration is, um, there's a conference room and there were three guys, or was it four? It was three or four guys talking about a project. And I walk in there, I was like, hey, you guys talking about like a liquid rocket engine? And they're like, yeah. Or the, the main guy, his name's Adi. Um, yes. Yeah, I, that we're thinking about working on a rocket engine. I said, cool, can, can I join you guys? and or can i help you guys out and he's like yeah come meet with us you know on this other day that's pretty much where lpl starts on i guess on my account like that's that's my account of of how lpl ended up coming to be because at that point we got pretty serious like we started doing uh weekly meetings or we started meeting up twice a week and then um we started getting more attention. People are like, oh yeah, I'm a master's student too. And like, I want to work on rocket engines. So I was like, cool, okay. Like we started getting more people. Uh, we started dividing work. The Adi kind of became like the project manager. And I was like, well, I like injectors. See, remember what I was saying? You like engines, but then what do you like about engines? So I was like, I like injectors. So like, I want to design the injector and, and test it and whatnot. So I, I was in charge of that. And then... Yeah, like we we just started growing little by little. Uh, I think at the end of that semester we had twelve people, and um, Adi was very persuasive in, in in with the AST administration, such that they gave us about four thousand dollars. So wow. with those four thousand dollars, 
I guess to start, we we were able to go buy hardware. We went to Norton Sales and bought a couple of valves and lines and whatnot. Um, yeah. And uh, we got some raw stock material and we were able to get our initial design uh like built um and 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 i guess ended up testing with about 4k plus maybe thousand dollars or something um and that was impressive yeah i looking back i'm like damn i guess we we made that money last because uh yeah things stuff stuff is expensive and uh i don't know i don't know how we did it um but it didn't work the first time it almost never does uh, i think it took a couple <laughs> couple months for for us to get it working right but uh yeah. yeah that's essentially like how lpl started like from there uh like during my second year of grad school that's that's when i took over the lab uh i it was an official thing at that point. One of our for, former members, an alumni, his name is Roderick Vanderskoff. He uh, he currently works at Firefly, but he was able to like he did all the all the paperwork and interface with the administration and I don't know whomever he had to talk to in order for LPL to become like a legitimate thing at at USC and for us to get some sort of funding, um, which was actually more difficult than I thought. Uh, so like, because we were a real thing, I was like, okay, I want to be the lab lead. The guy that was in here, the guy who kind of got us all riled up and, and wanting to work on rocket engines, he already left to graduated working at JPL. Um, so I became lab lead. And then I said, this is a lot of work. I can do it all by myself. I chose a co-lead, a co-lab lead. Uh, whom I actually sit next to at work uh, today. Uh, no I, way. Yeah, <laughs> I kept. Them I didn't with, know that. With him. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've worked together at uh, at Northrop as well, and then then I left Northrop, then he left Northrop, and then uh, I went to Virgin Orbit. He went to Boeing, and then we converged again at at Blue Origin. Um, but then. Yeah, like we, we, so that's kind of how the lab also ended up having two lab leads because I, I didn't think it would last. I honestly wasn't trying to be like, this is how the lab should be run. It was like, shit, I can't do this right. all by myself. I need, I need some help. Um, and I think ever since the lab has had two individuals uh, kind of help uh, guide or, or shepherd things along. And right. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. No worries. That's interesting. So it was it was so strategic because you knew like what you had to do, but lucky that you like stumbled across those people and interesting that you've kept that connection to like now. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, the Did thing you... I first mentioned. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. We also needed more members for the lab. And because we just didn't want to accept like a large amount of people into the into liquid propulsion lab. Because um, at the time too, we were trying to focus more on on okay, we want this to be for graduate students. We're only here for two years. 
let's make sure that we get some people who want to stick around for two years and do some sort of research if they can or if they want to and mm -hmm. on to the next set of people but because we need people because people are graduating you know uh we made posters and we said apply to the liquid propulsion lab if you want to help us build a rocket engine so I, i'm not sure if I, well, actually i think lpl still does that where we have members that apply and yeah. kind of go through the resumes and whatnot and interview the candidates and and see if they're a good fit for the lab and that's how we ended up doing that that was also a an unintentional thing that i think carried through lpl whether it's a good thing or not uh it was not it was not meant to be uh, uh as uh this is how this is how the lab should operate it was more like we need people yeah. but we need the right people uh right let's talk to them right. first mm -hmm. yeah i think it stayed that way for that reason as well and also because like we want to make sure everyone gets their hands on stuff so it can't you know overflow the lab so those same same exact reasons and we need you know the right people where our weaknesses lie yeah yeah did you guys static fire while you were there we tried many times <laughs> where yeah. did you go uh we we'd go too far uh out in the mojave desert we would light but it, like it, it, we'd have ignition an ignition event and it wouldn't be like sustained combustion it was just ignition and there's something and it's done i think the yeah. first successful attempt we blew our nozzle out like the graphite nozzle just broke and oh my god and it, uh, I don't remember if that was a time where we made a flamethrower because there's there's a picture somewhere of LPL like 2016, 2017, and 2018 or something like that. A progression of three years yeah. and how uh, there are three different hot fires. And I think one of them, uh, the very first one is uh, a flamethrower looking thing. And that was, a, I'm going to call that the first successful hot fire that we had. Yeah, I could be yeah. wrong. Um, but yeah, we, we, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the fun part. That's exciting. Even if it kind of fails a little bit, you see a little, a little bit of a spark and it's motivating. So that's cool. That was fast that you guys got out there and were, you know, testing it and making it work. Yeah. Yeah. We, we really tried. We were doing a lot of things um in the lab and in, in the very very small lab space that we had back then um uh we would do like water flows of of the injector in right outside of the the big gate of RPL where that brick area is with the big dumpsters that's where we would do our water flows cuz we didn't want to get in trouble um you know that's where we still do them <laughs> Sick. By Excellent. the <laughs> we do all our testing by the dumpsters. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> you gotta yeah. stay scrappy and safe. Oh, but safe. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. There was a lot of testing. Um, so I have a lot of sympathy and understanding for the teams uh, who, who go out to Mojave and the when you guys are doing um like TRRs for a hot fire and you guys are planning out you know, how long it'll take to get to hot fire. And I'm like, 
I think that whenever it's the first time in a while, I'm like, this is just going to be like a, a dress rehearsal or a wet dress rehearsal for you guys. Cause it takes so, well, it used to take us a very long time to prep everything. Cause we didn't have like a nice, um, like test, test stand and a cool DAC system or anything. It was like our DAC was a black box and it had some electronics in it. And, um, our, our fluid system, like our valves and our relief valves and lines, they were all just clamped down on a big piece, of, like on a plywood, piece of plywood. Um, and then we'd get two test stands out at, at FAR, because I think there are two or three horizontal test stands at FAR. And mm-hmm. we'd place, actually, we'd place the plywood on one of the test stands and place the engine on the other one. And that was our 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 essentially our fluid system and it would take us yeah. so long to to prep that like we'd end up doing a hot fire. we'd get there at say 7 a.m and and then we'd end up doing a hot fire tent in the afternoon and that was it come back in yeah. two weeks or a month you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds about right that sounds exactly we slept we spent the night and woke up at seven like there and we didn't hot fire till the sun was down wow like yeah so but it's that's because of our jack so we're that's something that we is a weak spot so we're all trying to learn learn the ee stuff and recruit more people that can teach it to us and help yeah. and yeah that's yeah. great diversifying your your talent base or your pool of talent i think is is going to be imperative for the success of the lab because at the time like it was difficult for us to get double e majors involved in in the lab so you know you had us doing it and we're like i don't know what the hell i'm doing like <laughs> good luck for anything i mean like an industry you can't have all the people with the same skill set it just doesn't work yeah right um okay so speaking of industry your resume is so extensive that I just like cannot pick a specific project from like my limited knowledge of everything you've done so I want you to pick a favorite project if you have two that's okay that you worked on and just tell me why and what the team was like that you worked with on that project tell me about it okay I have two um okay I I can think of two yeah I yeah, I, I, I extended my resume because I'm like, okay, I, I need to write out everything that I'm doing as I'm doing it because otherwise I'm going to forget. Um, That's and- what I have a notes app now. I'm like, I'm going to forget what I'm doing. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I feel you because like I forget things so easily that I'm like, what the hell, dude? Like, come on. Like, what was I thinking about yesterday? Um, but like, as you saw in when I graduated USC, I didn't go into propulsion. Like I, I was, I became a GNC engineer, uh, because after, like after my internship at SpaceX, like I was at USC and then I hit up. So before SpaceX, I was at North of Grumman working on, on ICBM stuff and reentry vehicle things. And then I, I didn't make the cut at SpaceX. So then I messaged my former manager. I was like, Hey, I want to come back. You need help? You guys need another interns? So then I went back in 2015 and I stayed on as a full-time intern until a little after I graduated. I think from like um August of is it August? 
no June uh, of um, June of 2015 until August of 2016. I was an intern at Northrop uh, working on such projects. It was like reentry vehicle trajectory analysis primarily with some propulsion stuff, but it was more geared towards GNC. Even though I was in like an aerothermal fluids group, which is interesting, like, like a lot of words simplified to trajectory stuff. And then I needed, you know, I needed a full-time job after I graduated. So the company on the floor above, they were hiring. Um, so I went there, I was, I was a GNC engineer, but I was like, damn, like, I want to, I want to do propulsion. <laughs> like, as, as fun as it is to like write code in MATLAB and or script things up in MATLAB to post-process data and uh, work with Fortran code, et cetera. Like I want to go back to propulsion. So I got a job in propulsion uh, much closer to home. And uh, that's when I, I was assigned to just a bunch of random projects. But my first big one was uh, doing hot fire testing for, for James Webb. And um, wow, that's awesome. it, it was it was it was fun. It was it was great. Uh, that that program. Sometimes I'm like, damn, it was riddled with so many issues. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm kind of happy these issues popped up because that's how I was able to be exposed to all these different things. Like I was exposed to the full ATP process of these thrusters because I don't know if you're aware, but like they were doing leak checks and then they found that one of the thrusters was leaking and they had to take off the bank of thrusters. So uh, I think there are eight banks and each bank has a, a, a has two thrusters, um, the primary and the redundant. And one of those two was leaking and they disassembled it. And turns out that the valve, the, the thruster valve had a piece of something inside of it. So because it had that piece of something, it was, it turned out to be latex, like a latex piece of a latex glove. So yeah, they were already installed on the, on the, on the spacecraft. They took all of them off and they had to disassemble them and re-ATP the thrusters. So I, I got involved with like helping out with uh, the boring stuff, like rewrite procedures or improve them so that they're clear but that allowed me to learn how to work with the technicians because I'm like you guys are the ones doing it let me go right. write them up let me go to them and let's do a dry run figure it out if it's okay if it's clear wh where is it clear where is it unclear improve you know and, and, and recycle and do this thing all over again until the procedures are fine so the other thing that happened is that the thermal engineers were like, oh, damn, I think our thermal model's wrong. So we need to do hot fire testing with these new thermal conditions, like new boundary conditions. So it, it, I think I think they were warmer than they were expecting, than they initially analyzed. Um, so I, I helped do the hot fire testing for that campaign. And I mean, my one of my mentors, he led the campaign for um, for four weeks. And then he's like, all right, Miguel, it's all you. Like, I have other stuff to do. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm gone. So then he went back to his other program. And uh, it was my first time where I interacted professionally with test engineers. Thankfully, they were my age, or actually, they were a little younger than I was. 
Um, so we got along great. Like we had yeah. long days or normal nine hour days, but uh, we, I, I essentially planned out, okay, this is the test matrix. Um, these are, you know, the test conditions and I got a feel for how long each test takes and you kind of want to do as many tests in the shorter in, in the shorter amount of time. Um, right. So I I kind of knowing the test matrix, I I shuffled tests around. I was like, all right, we're gonna do these tests today and tomorrow. This this one test is four hours long, so we're gonna do one of these, and then we're gonna do two of these that are thirty minutes long each. And uh, you also need to take into account like thermal conditioning. Of, yeah, like I, for me that was. That was effing great. Like I, I love having the experience of or getting the opportunity to experience to plan something, uh, you know, I'll, not just by myself but also with members from another team, um, and and interact with them and and figure out okay what's the best way to approach this problem and that problem being like how many tests can we do today you know or tomorrow or this entire week. Uh, eventually, we got pretty good to where uh, we would plan things like on a weekly basis. And uh, we concluded our testing like a week and a half before uh, before we thought we were gonna finish. And I think uh, a couple of days ago, I was thinking, you know, I've always said like, yeah, I helped finish a test campaign a week and a half before the expected com completion date. But it's just a piece of advice for you too is people like dollar signs. So if you can figure out the dollar sign of the amount of time that you saved plus commodities, yeah. commodities being like liquid nitrogen or, or you know, not gases or and propellants, um, then I think people will be like, oh shit, you know, like I saved six hundred thousand uh, dollars on on this one campaign as opposed to a week and a half or something like that um but yeah that i personally that was the that's one of my favorite um projects that i've been involved in uh that's super cool yeah it, it was it was fun it was very fun i can't i can't complain about that one finishing something early in this industry is just like unheard of as well <laughs> or at least in lab I'm like, like that's like that's just so impressive because something always goes wrong so that's that's pretty crazy yeah you're right <laughs> most of the time like <laughs> now I'm so I look at schedules and they're like yeah we're gonna finish on this date and I'm like okay like kind of laugh on the inside I'm like <laughs> sure we'll try but that's not gonna happen um yeah, I, you know, I've never, I've, I've never actually sat down and thought about what it is that kind of helped us be successful in, in completing this, this project um, before our expected uh, completion date. But you're right, like in aerospace, no matter who you work for, I mean, people, people talk bad about the large aerospace companies, but then new space is the same. It's just aerospace, the aerospace industry period. And I'm so happy that you recognize it and that you see it, like you see it firsthand. Um, yeah. Just something that you deal with, but also not something that one should be uh, complacent about either because time is money, no matter, yeah. no matter how you look at it. Um, the, sec the second thing 
that I that I've actually enjoyed was um was at Virgin Orbit. Uh I really loved working there. It was the environment was very fast paced. Uh but there was this great sense of like camaraderie and uh it's like we all flowed together most of the time. Uh so we knew what we had to do and we would help each other out. Um uh, my team in particular was kind of small and uh the thing that that i really enjoyed about that place or the project rather was working on my first flight engine uh so i got to work on two engines so one of them is a is is space junk and then or maybe burned up during reentry i don't know uh and then the yeah. second one uh just ended up being in a factory after the company dissolved yeah work, working on flight hardware is not as as difficult as one would think or or uh, your processes are, are well established things can go smoothly but you have to treat it with like extra care like if you were working on a development engine like you 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 care that it, if it's going to blow up but it'll set you back but if you have a backup engine, then that helps, right? But a flight engine, something that's planned in advance and like, if something goes wrong there, you blow it up uh, or a component goes wrong, like it decides to not function uh, and you don't have one ready for a couple of weeks, it's costing you schedule and that's costing, which means it's costing you money because then you're not launching at on the date that you have to launch or you have to make up for that schedule and like, work longer days and have like work weekends, et cetera. Um, but ha having worked with, uh, I guess with, with my first flight engine um, and the second one, it was, there was a lot of rigor involved. Um, there were a lot of long days, um, but at the end of the day, it was so rewarding to see that the thing you put your blood, sweat, and tears to, uh, you worked your ass off to make sure that it, it functioned. It did what it was supposed to. Like you see it on the live feed and you're like, holy shit, like that thing ignited in space and, and it's putting satellites in orbit. It's just, it's, it's a feeling that I, I can't explain. It's, it's great. I I cried when I when I watched the live feed. Oh. I was like, oh hell yeah! Like I worked on this, and then I'm crying. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I I would be sobbing. That's so awesome. I can't imagine the feeling. Can't wait for it. Hopefully, I have my two last questions for you. Okay. So the first one is, what's your most meaningful connection you've made within your professional life, and why? I think this is your most difficult question yet. It's a big one. I've had a lot of good mentors um, as, as I was ramping up my career. I, I still feel like my career's ramping up. Like I've, I've only been in industry since 2014 uh, and, and full-time since 2016. And so like, I'm by no means like a, I don't feel experienced <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so oh no, we never will. <laughs> probably not. And we, we should at some point, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but it's it's that part of uh like that continuous learning that that I mentioned uh when we started talking but I don't think I have a straight answer for you like I can name a couple of people that I've that I've made good connections with um some of them like one of them in particular he became my mentor he he gave me advice on on how to uh maneuver my career and that one piece of advice that that I try to implement to date which is you know when when you start a new position uh start working with someone who is less experienced than you uh so that you can help that person rise up to to your level so that they can eventually take over your work so that you can then go ahead and do other things because then you'll just be in that one place or it'll take you longer rather it may it may take you longer who knows um so many variables involved but yeah that's that's the one piece of advice that i kept from from this person um and but I wouldn't say, you know, he's the most meaningful connection I've made because I've gotten advice from other people uh, uh, whom I worked with and now they're working at other companies. Sorry, Paige, I can't give you a- No, that's, those are good answers. Those are good answers and that piece of advice because like it almost adds like, like this, like I say this in a good way, but it's like a selfish spin on helping others. So it gives you more reason to do it, you know? Because like if you're teaching someone else with you, like sometimes you get a little reluctant to, but- it's helping them and it's helping you. So it's like, it's just a win-win. So like, why not? So that's really something I think I'll, I'll carry with me. Absolutely. So on that note, win-win. what advice would you give your 20 year old self with all that you know now? It would be, <laughs> be patient, but continue to seek out the things that you like. Um, it makes a difference. I I like to think it makes a difference. Uh, that latter part, the first one, I'm still trying to work on that. Um, sometimes I tend to get impatient. I'm like, damn, like, why aren't I working on this? Or like, I want to work, I want to get there already, but I'm still like midway through on this project on the grand scheme of things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a patience and, and, I forget what I, I forgot exactly how I said the second thing, but it's it's to the gist of of um you know stay curious and and continue to seek out those things that you're interested in. Um it never hurts to have a little more information. That's that's the way I view it. Did it did it hurt to sit down and like read this one paper for like 15, 20 minutes? Not really. It's just you know an extra right. thing you may or may not use. Um, and that's the reality of, of work as well as like, you go into a job with certain expectations and turns out that it doesn't meet the expectations that you had in your mind or that you made it up to be. But at the end of the day, at least you'll be able to understand a little more than say the person next to you, if you're on the same level of the same, uh, if you're both starting at the same, right. Um, right. That that would be my advice to my old self and to you. Um, yeah, patience. That's why I, asked. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, asked. I see. 
<laughs> and it's recorded so i'm gonna be taking notes as you're saying that i'm like oh, i have to write this stuff down <laughs> this is good sticking notes on my desk that's awesome well i know we went a little bit over time thank you so much for your time um it was an amazing conversation i'll let you know when it goes it comes out it'll be soon all right Paige. yeah thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Space Spiels. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a fellow space nerd and follow us and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. Tune in for new episodes every Monday. I'll talk to you next week.